Welcome to Manager Tools. Being told no to feedback, part one. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. What do I do if my direct refuses feedback? How do I do if my direct continues to refuse feedback? How can I document feedback efforts if a direct keeps saying no? If you want answers to these questions and more, and you should, keep listening. The Manager Tools feedback model starts with asking the direct, can I give you some feedback, right? Yep. And at least initially, if a direct says no, we can choose not to share the feedback. It's perfectly reasonable to say, okay, and walk away. It's even more important that if, if we have new listeners, it's not just that we can choose not to share the feedback. If we ask a question and the direct says no, we don't share the feedback, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And my point really was, hey, folks, you don't have to. Some managers believe, no, no, I have to. I can't walk away, but okay, we'll get, we'll get to that. I will say this. I, I think, you know, you and I, have we have fought this battle with people for years and years and years now. I'm amazed that it's taken us 11 years to put out this guidance, even though we've touched on it briefly in other places, we thought we'd sort of put it all together in one place. And it actually came from a question um, from an HR guy, Tom, who said, you know, what do I do if I've got a guy who's just really pushing back hard? What we're talking about here is not the one-off no, that's okay. And that's actually a good thing. The issue is the direct who thinks he can game the system and say, well, my boss is actually asking. He said, she said that she would honor a no if I gave it. And so they simply use the no in the feedback model as a loophole to avoid their responsibility of receiving feedback as part of guidance and development and so on as a part of the organization improving. And there's a pattern where they simply say, I don't have to. Right. And there's two things. One is a lot of managers who are starting feedback believe this happens all the time. They're very worried about yes. this particular scenario and they use it. Oh, I don't They wouldn't probably say it as an excuse not to start feedback, but it certainly um, gets in the way of getting their commitment to start using the feedback model. And so my first, my first thought is it just... Never, in, in my experience, it just never happened. I mean, it never, I guess it happens, right? We're talking yeah. about it, but it's so rare. Yeah, some of our guidance that we know the marginal percentage likelihood of the event occurring is, is essentially never, I'm sorry, let me check the numbers again. Oh yeah, never. But when we introduce new ideas in management and there's a large portion of our community, um, we have, you know, over a million listeners every month. There's a large portion of our community that really wants to dig into the details and completely understand the logic, the rationale, uh, and essentially, I wouldn't say attack, but examine the models that we recommend after having, we've tested them for years, we have lots of data. They want to examine the models with every possible what amounts to logic bomb that they can. And I would say, to be honest, it's been my experience that that approach is actually simply a defense of what they're doing now. They just don't want to change. And as I like to joke with people who are asking four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten questions about, well, what about this? It won't work because that, because that. I say a couple of things. I say, first, well, you've never tried it. And secondly, if you need data for every single thing that you're going to do, 
how is it you're managing at all? Because you don't have any data on what you're doing. Your style of managing isn't. But that said, it is a concern. Managers go, oh, I don't know. What, what, if, they, what if they keep saying no? And it has happened enough, um, and I pay attention to it, that we've, we've got a way to address it. And, and guys, it's really simple. We're going to talk about four steps here. The first thing you do is when you say, can I give some feedback? And one of your directs says no, you assume that first no is genuine. And we'll give you some examples of what we mean by genuine here in a minute. If they say no the second time you ask, it's a successive no, two in a row. Uh, just make a note of it. Make a note that there was one indication maybe two days ago, and then you tried again today, and they said no twice. Just a quick note. Doesn't have to be fancy. The third thing we want to tell you is there is a difference between pattern no's, somebody who says no, 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 and somebody who says no once a month, if you're giving feedback a couple of three or four times a week. Saying no once a month is probably a good thing. So we want to make that distinction. This podcast, this guidance is not for us to essentially quickly start worrying that the moment a direct says no, we've got a problem and we need to start documenting. And finally, on the third successive no, again, successive in a row, third no in a row, you're going to talk about this during your one-on-one. And we'll tell you exactly what to say and how to say it and what the likely response will be from your direct. Okay. So assume the first no is genuine. Maybe we should back up a little bit just for new listeners and for those who have been listening for 10 years or more, I apologize, but maybe we should talk a little bit about where the answer no might come from. We're asking specifically a question and there's a reason we're asking that, that we're asking them whether or not we can give them feedback. Yeah, I'm glad Tom Murphy asked me the question. One of one of the weaknesses I have in the field is when people ask a question like this, I find myself doing to them what I hate being done to me. Rather than answering the question quickly, I say, well, let me explain why it is the way it is. And then I go, wait, no, no, stop, Mark, stop. Answer the question. Here's, and then I say, here's what you do. You do this and this and this and this. And then, of course, then they're saying, oh, okay, I get that. That's so, but, but I feel sort of empty about it because I don't understand the rationale. So I think it'd be helpful to go through the rationale for everybody. So the first step in our model is to ask the direct, ask your direct, by the way, the manager's feedback model, the, the primary one, we have others, but the primary one is only for managers to directs. We do not use this model with our boss. We do not use this model with our peers. Okay. The first step is you ask some version of, can I give you some feedback? Now, look, guys, if you aren't familiar with the manager tools feedback model and how it fits into our recommended management trinity of actually four effective behaviors, we encourage you to go to managertools.com, click on our map of the universe page, find our guidance on feedback, and it's fairly voluminous with many, many, many examples. I would guess we have 20 or 30 podcasts on it, so 10, 15, 20 hours worth of guidance, and start there. We ask first for two main reasons. First, we want to be clear about our purpose. Our research over the years shows that managers are generally terrible at giving feedback without some kind of word template, some way to start the conversation. 
far too many of us think that a brief conversation with a hint or a mention of something that the direct did can serve as feedback. We're so uncomfortable as managers giving feedback that we do it so poorly, we walk away feeling maybe hoping we got our point across, and the direct just plain wonders what happens. And so we start out asking the question because we want you to have a way to engage in the conversation. And there are going to be times when the conversation is not convenient for the direct. Well, I'll give you a bunch of reasons. And we want to start them off recognizing we're about to talk to them about their future. And they're the person who controls their future. The purpose of feedback, whether it's positive or negative, is to encourage the right behavior from your directs in the future. The purpose of feedback is not to go over what happened in the past. And the reason for that is there's nothing you can do about the past. And folks, like it or not, particularly for those of you who think of yourselves as problem solvers, you think of a mistake your directs made as a problem to be solved. Unfortunately, you're never going to know all the factors that led into the problem of the deliverable not being met or something being late or somebody not doing something to the standard that you wanted, um, somebody not communicating the way they should have, somebody irritating somebody else, whatever. And there is almost no amount of time on the vast majority of situations you're going to talk to your directs where you are going to get a complete understanding of what actually happened. And what's interesting about that, by definition, you don't really want to know everything that happened in detail when somebody does something good. Because when we say feedback, we don't mean only negative feedback. We mean positive feedback as well. So if I were to say to you, please go find out everything your direct did after this thing they did that was good, you'd say, why? I know. We make assumptions about why people did things good because it turned out good, they must have been thinking the way I would have been thinking for this to have turned out good. If that's the case, if we start giving different types of feedback for positive or negative, because we can assume away the rationale in the event of a positive, but we have to dig into the reasons on the negative, we start trying to solve the problem of what went wrong. But the problem with that is you're never going to be able to do it and it's going to take you far too long. And because you have other things to do, you're going to stop doing it. So when you really look at feedback, you realize the only reason to talk to a direct about a good or a bad thing they did is to encourage the right thing to happen in the future. If they did something good, you want to give them positive feedback or to use a much softer, less clear, less effective word, praise them. The reason you do it is you want them to do it again. You want them, you want to reward them. And if you're going to give them negative feedback, the only reason to talk to them, since you can't change the past, unless you believe that your job is to vent your emotions on people less with less role power than you in the organization. The only reason to talk to somebody at noon about something that happened at 10 in the morning is if it's negative, you don't want it to happen again. In both cases, positive and negative feedback, the purpose of the conversation is not to revisit the past in annoying detail. It is to 
encourage the same thing in the future if they did it right or to change the behavior in the future if they did it wrong. The point is, we're talking about the right behavior from our direct in the future. If our direct isn't ready to think about their future behavior for whatever reason, it's got to be okay for them to say no. Or put differently, if you didn't ask them and you just started talking and say, hey, I want to let you know when you do this thing you did, it turns out badly. Can you do it differently next time? If you just say that to them and you don't ask and they're not ready to hear about their their future um, because they're in the middle of a spreadsheet, you know, they just got a difficult call from home or they're on a tight deadline. If they can't hear you, why bother talking? We've all learned, hopefully, hopefully the millions who listen every month know that communication is what the listener does, right? Just because you're talking, if the other person isn't hearing you, there's no communication going on. And I'm indebted to Peter Drucker for teaching us that. So, if the direct isn't ready to think about their behavior, for whatever reason, it's got to be okay for them to say no. They might say something like, hey, boss, I'd love to hear it, but I'm in the middle of the spreadsheet right now. Can it wait 20 minutes? Or, hey, boss, I'm late for a meeting. Can I swing by your cube at the end of the day? Yeah, if we're going to ask them, you better be willing to listen to their answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, or, you know, sorry, but the daycare just called and I got to go. Any of these reasonable responses that are somewhat temporal, right? would totally hamper the ability of the direct to not just hear the feedback, but think about how to apply it in the future. Look, again, the purpose of our feedback is not to focus on past behavior. We're not going to express anger if a mistake was made. We're going to ask them to continue good, effective behaviors or to change ineffective behaviors. And it's in the future. If a direct can't hear our feedback because they're busy, they're late, they're distracted, delivering the feedback won't have any impact on their future behavior, and that would then defeat the purpose. Now, I want to say something else. I should have said this earlier. A lot of you who are listening are saying, I just can't do this. When I'm finally ready to give feedback, I've got a serious situation on my hands. I can't allow them to dodge it. You know, when I give feedback, I've probably got a pattern already in mind. I've seen this behavior. I'm worried about it. And I really need to bring the direct into my office and sit them down and have a sit down, have a conversation. I'm doing Joey air quotes right now on the, on, when I'm recording here at my desk at home. Um, I'm going to have a conversation about an issue. And of course, I'm going to be silly and I'm going to do the conversation at five o'clock. Like it's sort of a soft firing for the guy. I do it at the end of the day. And I'm going to go by his cubicle at 10 in the morning and say, hey, will you stop by at the end of the day? I need to talk to you. And the direct says, what about? Says, well, we'll talk about it then. Well, let me tell you, you've ruined that guy's credibility, yeah. that guy's productivity for the rest of the day. Done. Hey, and, and of course, he's not going to wait till five. He's going to be half an hour. He's going to be like, hey, I had a free moment. What is it? And if you don't think that happens to you, it's because you don't understand about your role power and how it affects relationships. Yeah. He's not assuming he's getting a raise. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably not. Okay. But here's the problem. What you're thinking of as feedback, that conversation about a problem or an issue is not what we think of as feedback. If you always wait until there's a pattern and then you have a a big conversation about it, you are missing opportunities to talk about the problem earlier when it's smaller, when it's not as significant, when it's not as dramatic, it's not as tension-filled, it's not as uh, conflict-filled when you're in the meeting, 
rather than, as I've used the example many, many times, rather than driving in your car down a straight road, putting your hand on top of the steering wheel, not moving it, and watching your car drift toward the ditch, drift, 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 and right before the car gets in the ditch, yanking the car back to the center of the lane you were in, scaring everybody in the car, to wit, you're direct, Rather than doing that, we want feedback to be just like driving a car the way you actually do it down a straight road, which is, if you'll notice, your hand is constantly moving slightly left, slightly right, making tiny adjustments all the time. This is true of software that measures itself and all software does nowadays. Uh, hardware on the production floors. It's true of our cars. They're constantly checking themselves for whether or not they're intolerance and whether they're what the variance is and so on. Um, that's how high-performing systems work. Your body, even when you walk, is constantly almost out of balance, and it's constantly adjusting itself and putting itself back in balance. So when we say feedback, we mean talking to your directs much sooner about the mistakes they make and the successes they have so that we can do it in a very small and quick way. We talk to them early when there's less tension, less drama, less conflict, and we can actually do it almost in a casual way um, as a way of saying, hey, listen, I'd want to hear this if I were you because I wouldn't want my boss to wait until I'm in trouble because we have a conversation about an issue. Don't wait till your direct's in trouble. Don't wait until you have to call them at your office and say, look, we got an issue. If you don't change this, there's going to be problems in six or nine months, right? Now the direct is scared. So be clear. When we say feedback, we're talking about small instances. If a guy's late one time to a meeting, you walk out of the meeting, you say, hey, can I give some feedback? Sure, boss. What is it? When you're late, I have to rearrange your agenda. Can you be on time next week? Sure, boss. No problem. It's just that simple. Now, you might think, Mr. or Ms. Manager, that, oh, no, I, I want to give my people a pass. I'll wait until there's a pattern. The problem is you're not giving up a pass. You're holding it against them and waiting to see if they do it again. Well, why wait to see if they do it again? Now, you could argue, well, Mark, I don't want to talk to him on the first time. Fine. Talk to him on the second time. If they're late a second time, mention it in passing. Don't mention the first one. Only mention the second one. We allow that. It's, you know, we, we have guidance on that. It's called grace period. It's totally fine. And by the way, we talk about this at length, Mike. I mean, this is one of the things that we get into in detail at our effective manager conference. And folks, if you're listening and you don't know, the podcast will always be free. You can buy a license to the show notes. I think the show notes for this particular uh, guidance are six or seven pages of PDF with virtually every word we say in the show, but it's not a transcript. Or if you really want to invest, um, we recommend you come to one of our effective manager conferences. We do over a hundred of them a year. We're all over the States. We go to China, we go to Australia, we go to Europe. Just come to the website and look for a city or town near you. And we spend hours on the feedback model and we practice it. We teach you the theory of it and then we practice it and we answer all your questions. And I think we're doing two or three next week. We're recording this on a Saturday morning. You know, what I love about the uh, the conference people come up every single time, come up to me afterwards, you know, on, particularly on feedback, right? They come out and say, like, I listened to the podcast. I understood it intellectually, but there was something about going through it in person. Yeah. I've, I've known it. I've wanted to do it, but I've been afraid. And 
I now know that I can go back and I can start doing it, which is just the difference between learning and doing is so huge when it comes to management. I'm forgetting her name and I'm embarrassed because she's a friend of the firm, but I'll never forget Chicago 10 years ago when when one of our big fans, longtime listener, first time conference attendee said, you know, I've been listening to you guys in the car and I've been listening to you and saying, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I could definitely do that. That sounds okay. I can do that. In my head, I've been telling myself I can give the feedback thing. There is an enormous difference between hearing it and passively accepting it and believing in it and actually having to do the feedback model in front of colleagues who are also trying to get better themselves. She said it completely transformed her confidence about delivering feedback and also her willingness, therefore, to do it with her directs. Yeah. And then she said, even more importantly, and changed her organization tremendously when she increased the opportunities for uh, learning in the organization by giving frequent feedback. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we gave you some background there. Um, It's actually even worse if you were to give feedback to someone who said no or wasn't ready for it if you didn't ask as the first step, you not only won't change their future behavior, but if you give feedback to a direct and you know, you just run over their no, if you will, and you know they're not going to hear it, um, you're admitting that your comments won't achieve what you intend, but that your role power alone justifies you making your point. And folks, we want to be really careful about asserting role power when it won't accomplish what we hope it will, and it can damage the relationships we're trying to create and maintain with our directs. Now, some of you are thinking, well, you know, I'm the manager, I should be able to just give feedback. If that's the case, please don't tell people you learned the feedback model from us, (laughs) and don't ask, okay? The reason why is we have an unwritten managerial rule here. Um, In fact, I guess it's not unwritten anymore. There's a podcast for it. And it goes like this. Never ask a question of your directs whose answer you don't intend to honor. If you're going to ask a yes-no question, and after getting an answer you presumably don't like, you then force the issue by suggesting they gave you the wrong answer, and then you ask the question again, expecting the answer you want and and basically raising your eyebrows at him and saying, I don't think you understand what's going on here. Let me ask that question again and see if you could reconsider your answer. Okay. And you know what? To be honest, I've done that. I did that 25 years ago. And if you're listening and you've done it, forgive yourself. Okay. Um, The reason Mike and I do these casts is because we don't want you to suffer what we did trying to learn this stuff the hard way. And don't look up at the top of your organization and expect all those executives to be great managers too, because you can get away with not being a great manager and climb the ladder. The problem is you visit your bad management on thousands of people when you get to the top and you feel like crap all the time and you're secretly afraid that somebody's going to find out you don't know what you're doing. Your life will be immensely easier if you, professionally speaking, if you master the basics of management and then get to spend your time thinking about the politics and the leadership and the product leadership and the customer leadership and the market leadership, those kinds of things that really distinguish great executives. So if you've done that before, it's okay. Forgive yourself. You can do nothing about yesterday. As Jimmy Buffett says, breathe in, breathe out, move on. But if you do that, you're going to destroy the trust 
and you're going to destroy your relationship with them in a different way. Your directs are just going to tell you, they're going to start just telling you what they think you want to hear. And lacking confidence in what you want, they're going to stop answering you. If you're going to do that, just don't ask whatever question you're asking at all. All you're going to do is destroy the relationship. You're going to get the answer you want, but they're not going to mean it. Just tell them what you want them to say. Now, the problem with that, of course, is when you suddenly have no more trust, you'll feel like it's suddenly, but you will have been destroying the relationship for months or years. When you suddenly have no more trust, no more collaboration, no more creativity, no more initiative, no more judgment, along with much more micromanaging on your part without and, and your bandwidth being destroyed to do other things, don't blame us. So we've asked the question, can I give you some feedback? Folks, our data show the vast majority of directs say yes, 95 plus percent. The yes is a good thing because it affirms their interest in hearing from you and they're, they're willing to pay attention to you. And if you've taught them in advance, this is what I'm going to do. They're saying to you, I'm ready to listen and talk about my future behavior. And that obviously increases the chances that whatever you say to them will actually achieve the purpose you have, even if you don't use our model of encouraging effective future behavior. In addition to calling out Tom, I want to mention a client I was at this week, PJM Interconnection in Philadelphia, who asked a bunch of questions about this. And I told them that it's funny you ask because we're doing the podcast this weekend. Uh, I had a wonderful experience with them. And we were talking about okay, I think we have some people who might say no, and gosh, I don't, I don't really know, what, what should I do? And I'm afraid that they'll say no. I said, no, a no is probably okay, and, and there's a way to address the pattern we'll cover on the podcast. And one of the things they really were concerned about was if the direct says no, because maybe I've not been good at giving feedback before, and I've done it poorly, and maybe I've, maybe I've growled at them, maybe I've yelled at them. I said, well, okay, I can't undo what, what you've done, but I can say this. If you brief them on the stuff you're doing in advance and you make a genuine effort, some of your people will, uh, unless you've completely destroyed your relationships, in which case there's nothing I can do, but it didn't seem to me like anybody in the room was that way. I said, it's going to take you longer to get there, but if you engage in the right behaviors over time and you stop growling, don't yell, don't express anger, it will take longer, but you'll get there. And I actually showed them the example that I use um, when we're teaching yelling um, <laughs> at directs. Think about a manager who yells at his or her directs and he says, or she says, don't you ever do that again. That last word again proves that feedback, even negative feedback poorly delivered as an attack on the person, uh, which is unconscionable for a manager, even though it happens, we know, we all slip. Don't you ever do that again proves that that statement is about the future. Your anger is about the past. And by the way, if you want to be a really good manager, you need to develop some emotional and professional maturity, emotional maturity being part of professional maturity, in that you can calm yourself down in order to achieve the effectiveness you want. Mike, what is it you say? You never give feedback unless... Unless I can chuckle about it. Unless you can chuckle about right, it. Right, because I know if, I, if I'm not chuckling, 
I'm angry and it's, it's not going to be effective. So I just wait. If it's negative feedback, you just, you just may have to wait. Yeah. And it's fine. Works just fine. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you yell, you're still talking about the future. And that's the whole point of, hey, can I give you some feedback? And something else, guys, if you're wondering whether that yes that the direct gives you is mint or not, in other words, oh, they're just rolling over, I've alluded to this, I'll say it again. Remember our guidance about never introducing a change to how you manage without first introducing that change. We recommend you tell your directs what you're going to do in terms of these managerial changes before you do it. We recommend that it usually takes the form of a briefing about your new efforts before you start using the feedback model. That means telling your directs something like, and look, when I ask you, can I give some feedback? Can I share something with you? Can I make an observation? Can I have a word? It's okay to say no. It's okay to want to delay for a few hours because you're late for a meeting in the middle of, or you're in the middle of a pivot table or you have an urgent family issue to take care of or you're writing code. It's fine to say no and come back to me later when the timing is better for you. Yeah, everybody listening to this podcast knows you're in the middle of a pivot table. I mean, you just don't want to stop. I mean, you just, you just, it's just it's nirvana. <laughs> Come on, seriously. And look, guys, as I alluded to, it's possible that you have very little relationship with your directs. And so, therefore, right now, you have very little trust. Not all of them will believe your comments. And unfortunately, as a general rule, your fear is justified because low trust will make your feedback a lot less effective. The solution to that is not just more feedback faster, but the solution to that, to low trust, is building a trusting relationship with your directs, communicating enough with them to create that relationship. And the tool for that is one-on-ones, and we have guidance for that, as many of you know. And we encourage you to go to the website and look for it. Okay, all that said, there's the rare case of the direct who chooses to answer no to your question. There are two types of no's. The genuine one, hey, now's not a good time, but I trust you, boss. And if I do it again or good or bad, you'll, you'll tell me, or maybe I'll talk to you later or whatever. And the other one is systemic. Again, the genuine no is one that is not intended as a fundamental pushback against feedback, but simply a case of timing and busyness. It's situational. A systemic no is one that's driven by a disbelief in the idea of feedback and insecurity about receiving it for all kinds of reasons. Maybe not anything against you, but maybe they didn't like their previous boss or whatever. And a systemic no leads to more no's when you continue to try feedback on this particular issue or anything else for that matter. Now look, mentioning genuine and systemic in the same sentence is technically helpful because it describes the entire possible field but it doesn't suggest the weighting of the two. And the vast majority of times, you know, 90 plus percent of the times, the no you're gonna get is a genuine one. It's not systemic. But going back to those people who wanna logic bomb the model on every case, because we may not be able to tell them apart, unless the systemic no you get is rude, and because we've told our directs we would honor a no, we assume the no we get the first time is genuine. It's a simple case of not right now, boss. We honor it. We honor the no. We tell them some version of, hey, no worries, dude. 
Uh, totally understand, dude. Catch me when you can. And you walk away. Yeah, and the word dude is very important. Feedback yeah. model is required for those. Hey, the guys at PJM Interconnection said, we like that dude thing in the front. Really totally changes the feedback model. Because how many managers call somebody in to their office at the end of the day to have a conversation about an issue and say, dude, we need to talk. If you use the word dude in a, in a sentence, nobody takes you seriously. So it's, it's, it's a great question. We're doomed then. For those of you who are new listeners, people write in and say, will you please tell that one guy to stop using the word dude? It's so unprofessional. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've told him. And it, it's just like nothing I can do. Sorry. Sorry, dude. It's just my favorite <laughs> word, dude. Um, so we honor the no. We walk away. Guys, Take that approach, even if you get a fairly strong systemic no, perhaps even with some negative or forceful attitude, okay? And the reason why is you want to prove that you do what you say you would do. If you said you're going to honor the no, and then they throw a snarly no at you, and you jump down their throat, I promise the next thing they're going to say is, see, you weren't going to honor the no. Now, the fact is, if somebody gives you a, a loud, angry no, they're not actually saying no. They're attacking you personally and your role power and probably the system as well. Guys, just walk away. We have podcasts about the guidance about this where we talk about don't fight with your directs. It's far better to avoid an early fight about this important system. If your directs escalate, don't re-escalate because all that does is prove to them since they escalated and you escalated back, they could escalate again. And either you're going to lose the argument, which is dumb, or you're going to win the argument and you're going to have to use your role power to do it. And any argument you win in the short term that damages the relationship in the long term is always a crapshoot. You better be careful. So, if they push back a little too hard, if you think it's a systemic no or the, the beginnings of a systemic pattern of no's, give your direct the benefit of the doubt. Give yourself time to think about what you might want to do if it happens again and walk away. And look, part of the reason we're telling you to assume a, a genuine no, even if it's clear that it's going to be a pattern of systemic pushback, the benefit of that the reason why we're saying that is if you go in assuming a no will be genuine, you don't have to have a bunch of possible scenarios in your head when you start learning this. There's only two answers you're going to get, a yes, in which case you give the feedback, or a no, in which case you walk away. It's not potentially a yes or a genuine no or a systemic no with this type of tone or that type of tone. I'm not that smart. I can't keep all those options. Yeah, in my head. it's not. You don't need 17 different options in your head. There are only two. He's going to say yes, and I'm going to give feedback or he's going to say no, and I'm going to walk away with a smile on my face. Either way is good. Yeah. When you start, there are only two possible outcomes in your head. We want you to have that acceptance or they reject you and you respond with professionalism. You don't have to game plan every one of those interactions. You don't have to worry about permutations or weird trajectories. Don't do it. Those of you who want to logic bomb the, the, the models, that's okay. I'm glad you're, that's the way you learn. I want to understand it completely. But you're not going to be able to scenario plan every possible scenario that comes up. And so what you do when they give you a weird scenario, you just say, hey, okay, timing's not real good right now, and you step away. And do you really want to put yourself in a situation where you're going to make decisions when 
you were a little defensive. Your your direct has got their hackles up and they're coming at yeah, you. Yeah, no, and, and really, that's that's the point when you want to work on this new model that you're rolling out. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. Ninety plus percent of the time, ninety five percent of the time, your interactions are going to end happily, especially positive feedback. Directs love it, and it makes no sense scenario planning in detail for a one percent chance outcome. Now, look, yeah, if you get a strong systemic no, you can tell that this direct is likely to be a problem. And that's good to know in advance that you're going to have a problem again. But remember, you told them no was okay. So stay frosty, walk away, solve the new problem that your direct has given you separately from the feedback you were trying to give. Okay, so that was necessary. Again, sorry, folks, if you're if you've been listening for ten years, I know you've heard a lot of this before. But we have a lot of new listeners every single month, every single week, and it's hard to understand our guidance around this particular issue if you don't understand a little bit about the feedback model. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes the things that go without saying need to be said. Yeah, well, look at that. <laughs> I've been through this, I don't know, a million times, and, <laughs> and, and I still enjoy going over it. So yeah. hopefully people got something out of it. Now that we've gotten through the, the feedback model and what to do when they say no the first time, then we get into the meat of it. Like, okay, what happens if they say no a second time? What if they say no a third time? And uh, folks, we're going to talk about that next week. Good. All right. Thanks, my friend. Enjoyed it. You bet, partner. Anytime. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. This podcast was produced by Manager Tools. Manager Tools creates actionable management guidance every single week. To receive additional materials via our newsletter and to find products for situations you may face as a manager or a professional, go to www.manager-tools.com. Search for Manager Tools on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.